Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist every week. I'm Matt Gadel, pastor of St. Mark's Lutheran Church in beautiful, sunny, hot Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, home to the shortest fall that you'll ever know, but the most beautiful fall you'll ever know. We are coming at you here, and uh, it's November. Can you believe it? Hard, hard to believe. It's here. Noviembre. Noviembre. Which, uh, as they say in yeah. Los Angeles, is baseball time. Baseball time. We'll see. We'll see if our Dodgers uh, make it that far. <laughs> the Cubbies did last year. I mean, I'm just. This is this is the time when I start to have flashbacks, and I remember. Mm. I remember last year because I was, I was setting up for our Halloween event, uh, at St. Mark's. And I remember like the Cubs. Oh no! First, I went to the Oasis, which is our professional leaders conference mm-hmm. in the desert, and it was like, oh, everybody was all the Cub fans. All three of us were wearing our Cub hats, and we were all excited. And then the Cubs lost, and mm. we're like, it's okay. It's just the first game, and then they lost again. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's all right. They're gonna they're, they'll be fine. And then they lost again, and we're like, all right. We kind of made our peace with it. We had to make our peace with them losing, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was like one game at a time. I just. And then we did. We were playing in November. And I remember game seven thinking, you know, worst case scenario, we're playing baseball in November. Like, <laughs> I feel really good about that. And that was incredible. So good luck, Dodgers. As I told my congregation, who are almost all Dodger fans, uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. The World Series is really fun. So we playing baseball this year and the, this late in the year. Is it's it's pretty fun regardless of what happens. So good luck, Dodgers. Are you not at the Theo Oasis? I thought I saw Theo pictures from the Oasis. Yeah. No, it's kind of weird. It's um. So it's 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 an event that started in the Pacific Synod, and the last couple of years, I guess we've been trying to do it together, but it's still like pretty Pacific centric. So that's why I'm not used to going to it. Mm. Um, and last year, there's a couple of really fun people there, like. Our mutual friend, Darren Johnson, who mutual gets a shot out on the pod, <laughs> <laughs> like multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Darren's out there, Manuel Summit. There's a couple There's a couple good folks that I know that I'd love to see. But then people go golfing, and I'm not into golfing. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so if I had something, if I knew like enough people were going to the desert that I knew mm-hmm. and I had something I wanted to do out there, I don't know. It's a tough call. Maybe eventually I'll start going. Yeah. But which conferences do you go to? I mean, you got to like, you can't go to all of them. I mean, I have to, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, if I had a choice, I'd never leave my home. (laughs) You sound like you on E2. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if I lived with you on E2. He was like, when we did first call stuff and I was like, yeah, but you get to travel. And he's like, I hate traveling. (laughs) When does second call theological education happen, Matt? Because I'm ready for that. I don't know. We should start it. We should be forced to hang out with each other. (laughs) Bring in some keynotes for us to be really mean to together and we'll really bond. It'll be great. (laughs) So that's what's happening here in late October, November. Some people are at the Oasis. Some people are not. Some people are Staying in Los Angeles, being burned up by the 100-degree weather. What's happening in Colorado? A lot of golfing. A lot of golf. golfing? No, yeah. I don't play golf. Uh, 
let's see. Things are starting to wind down as we do our kind of like planning and, and staff meetings and stuff. We're starting to look at the spring semester already, which is insane. We just started, Matt. Yeah, so I, I, I say from time to time that I have a reverse semester that all of my really big, important, heavy stuff happens at the beginning and then, then things get easier. Uh, and this week is one of those weeks that I'm telling myself that myth. So hopefully it <laughs> will be true. I uh, catching up on some things here. So like a big success from earlier today is I figured out how to get the redirect working on our website domain hosting kind of thing because I messed it up at some point this summer and, and just hadn't got around to fixing it yet. So now you can find us on the Internet. So that's good. Sweet. That's that's a good thing. And students are not being fussy about that anymore because there was one student who was like, our website's not working. Like, I don't care. I have things to do. Fix it. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely the class. I, do you remember that class in seminary about websites and how to fix them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was hosted by, <laughs> taught by Christine Winderoth, I believe. <laughs> we had the overhead projector. <laughs> do you remember our first year of seminary, Matt, registering for classes? with carbon paper <laughs> carbon paper <laughs> true story in 2006 true we had classes with carbon paper we have a uh multi-generational council and we had a banking issue this week and somebody said oh you know we could get those kind of checks with the carbon paper and my <laughs> my 19 year old council member was like what's carbon paper <laughs> That is fantastic. It's craziness. So, actually, an appropriate conversation for November when our uh, it is. when the texts. It's almost time, but our texts begin to. Uh, it's funny. We're moving into the end of the year, so in some ways we're thinking about endings. Mm -hmm. uh, but like you said, looking ahead to the spring semester and these texts too, looking ahead to uh, looking ahead to something new. It's a really. Uh, it's kind of a cool transitional time uh, that we are in this time of year. So it's so time, yeah. it's time it for like it's time. time for the commemoration. <laughs> for the commemoration, the lesser festival. The lesser festival. It is a lesser festival. I didn't really recognize that until I was doing prep for the podcast this week. Um, it's so ridiculous. It's so interesting. Like the what are we talking about, Matt? Let's talk about it without talking about it. Yeah, so we're <laughs> so we're talking about the texts for All Saints Day, uh, which we will observe on Sunday, which is not the recommended thing to do according Ooh. to our our rubrics, which say you should have a special service on November first that two people will come to. Uh, <laughs> but the whole that, company of saints will be there with you yeah, too. Okay, <laughs> I mean it's really interesting, like the degree, like. Where so what makes it a lesser festival? Is it because the authors of Sundays and Seasons said so, or because like our actual church observances uh, rise and fall like in ways that don't necessarily fit what comes from I don't know who makes those policies? <laughs> it's like Yo Ramshaw says so, so we're gonna do that. Correct. I don't feel like it's very clear. I don't feel like that's very clear in the Lutheran Church. I feel like probably in the Catholic Church, like it's more clear, or maybe yeah. even in the Episcopalian Church, like it's more clear. Like, yeah, this is how we do things. It's got good order. But it's so. I feel like it's pretty fuzzy in the Lutheran Church because part of the, um, it's part of the, gosh, the ethos that we push is very like, hey, we got the freedom to do what we want. Yeah. And then we have this other ethos that's like, yeah, but we're recovering these traditions. And so this is what you're supposed to do. And there's a real, uh, I think there's a tension between those two things. Is this a place where we want or need a magisterium to tell us things so that at least it's clear? 
I mean, do we or do we need to say no? Like these things are going to grow up from underneath hmm. and to hell and to hell with the magisterium. Which I mean, is really, which is really reckless of me. But it's a very like as like, long as I'm in charge of the magisterium, I'm okay with it. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here we are grappling with the effects of the Reformation, right? The week after Reformation Sunday, where even Martin Luther himself kicked off this thing and then was like, whoa, 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 I didn't mean to take it that far. <laughs> that is my, still my favorite line. Maybe we've talked about it on the podcast here of the Crash Course video on the Reformation where John Green said that uh, Luther was really surprised when he said that everybody could interpret the scriptures and expected them to all understand, like, find the same truth that he found. <laughs> right? Very upset that other people found different truths than he did. Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, do you want to know? I've got information today. Uh, okay. Where, from the bottom up, this festival, this lesser of the festivals, of course, All Saints, where it came from? Did it come from Ireland? I did come from Ireland, but here's uh, here's a little timeline. Like, like, like all good things. Like all good things, except for my <laughs> DNA. Uh, in the second century, the commemoration of martyrs was kept on the anniversary of their death date. Mm. Right? So we we would, would commemorate Luther... In February. Uh, but uh, by the 4th century, commemoration of All Saints was kept on a single date. And in the 8th century, approximately 835, our good friend, a friend of the podcast, mutual friend, Louis the Pious, King of the Franks, switched that date uh, from a date in May, May 13th, which ironically is uh, my anniversary uh, and my wife's. We, my wife, singular, we share an anniversary date. Switched to November 1st at the behest of Pope Gregory the Fourth. Uh, and said November 1st. Uh, Matt, do you do you have the information? Where's the Irish connection come into here? I don't know. I just remember reading it somewhere. Well, it's true, Matt, because it was a way of culturally appropriating uh, the Celtic festival of Samhain. Yes. Which is like a harvest festival, an Irish harvest festival. Does it involve a bonfire? Yes. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, seems like a good thing. Um yeah, is so that, there you go. Is that where the the U, uh, fun fact U two's original title for Sunday Bloody Sunday with Samhain Bloody Samhain? Oh, really? No. <laughs> but perhaps, perhaps a hymn of the day for your All Saints Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, I yeah. even I even prepared. I prepared. I have a, a short reading for All Saints Day. Oh, okay. From Bernard Bangley, a Quaker. Reverend person, minister. Since there are many more Christian saints than the 365 days of the year, this day is set aside to honor all of them. Many saints have never had their names mentioned beyond a very small circle of friends. And not all saints are alike. Spiritual gifts are as varied as the many interests and abilities that exist in the broad spectrum of people. Some saints have mystical experiences, others do not. Some stay busily at work in the world. Other saints have neither the energy nor the social skills for that. I think he's talking about me. Uh, Many saints have no idea that they are saints. One saint will rediscover the value of tradition, while another will open new doors of innovation. Each life has a purpose and fits into God's grand scheme, the way plants, an oak or a trillium, grow in a forest. An All Saints reading from Bernard Bangley, Quaker dude. Feel free to use it, dear listener, for your All Saints Day celebration. What do you guys do for All Saints Day? 
Uh, we do the book, right? What's the book called? Where you write people's <laughs> names in it. Uh, yeah, we write people, uh, write their names in the book of people who've died who they'd like to uh, commemorate. We do death is actually a, a, a pretty significant part of the college experience. I think stereotypically it is often uh, for many people the first time that people they know and have kind of like real relationships with start to die. For instance, just two weeks ago, one of our students had a grandparent die. A lot of that happens and a lot of it happens for the first time while you're in college. So um, not as much direct experiences like a parish pastor might have with uh, death, but uh, a, a significant part of the college experience nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting that, so for, I was, as I was thinking about All Saints Day and these texts, maybe I'll get there in a moment. I mean, in our congregation, we, um, we put up, I basically pull out the, um, so we'll put out photos on a table. I make a little table and we'll put photos up, but they tend to be from the, uh, like funeral services. So one of the things in my context is that folks make like these full color booklets for funeral services, um, that feature lots of photos and different things. And so I'll usually put those out in a little frame and then we have candles. We like candles. And one year, uh, the first year I did candles, it was super messy. And so the next year I put butcher paper like over the table and then I put some markers out so people could write on it. And that totally, uh, worked well because people could come up and write down names in like all these different colors on the butcher paper and then light candles. Um, and of course I pull in a little day of the dead, uh, colors. I put some orange marigolds and things like that over the table too. So, Mm -hmm. um, kind of fun, but both, I mean, it's interesting. People are definitely, I think there's a tension between two things on all saints day, at least two things. Um, one of them is that, those, pers- those people that we know personally, right? Um, whether you're a college student, um, losing somebody close to you for the first time, or um, just thinking about anybody that you've lost this year, any year, but you've got that sense, those memories, you've got that sense of grief and loss, you've got that remembrance that happens in a very personal level, right? There's a space for that on All Saints Day for sure. And then at the same time, um, what we see in these readings is also this picture of God's future, right? And who's a saint in God's eyes? And what does the kingdom of God look like? Because it usually looks a little more upside down than we think. And so all of these kinds of big ideas are also woven throughout the texts. And I think figuring out ways to connect those two things, right? Our very personal experience of death and loss and uh, sainthood, and then this kind of cosmic or upending, discomforting sense of who's a saint. And how do you connect those two things? How do you weave them together? I think it's I think it's one of the big questions of All Saints Day, right? Um, so to help us uh, figure that out, we've got some texts. T14! To us. Uh, the first reading, actually, uh, not from the Old Testament. It's one of those days Whoa. where it comes from the New Testament. What are just we going like, to do, man? Just like the season of Easter in year, I'm going to say C, hmm. maybe, where the readings come from Revelation. Again, here for All Saints Day, our first reading comes to us from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. Uh, features one of my favorite lines, uh, where John says, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. We've got a great song that we sing here at St. Mark's called From Every Tribe and Every Nation that I have never been able to find. Usually you type something into Google and you can find it pretty quickly. 
I've never been able to find this song on the internet. Like, it does not exist. No? Outside of our congregation. I have no idea where it came from, but it's the coolest little, like, song. Um, I refuse to sing it for you. Um, <laughs> but it's from every tribe and every nation. It comes from this, from this text. A couple of things as we're approaching Revelation. So I think it's um, helpful to remember a lot of folks find Reformation a little terrifying, a little scary, would prefer that we ignore it um, because of the different ways that it has been used. Um, but I think it's important to remember that uh, Revelation is written in this time, like pretty intense time of political persecution, right? And so uh, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, like the place that it's written from. And for me, when I think about Revelation, and I it was it was more a thing for me uh, a couple of years ago and now I've when people say like what's your favorite book of the Bible I used to go to Re- Revelation um, and uh, now I've kind of moved on to other books but because in part because of passages like this one and the one that comes at the end with the tree of life and the river running through the streets of the city um, and to me in some ways Revelation is the I have a dream speech of the scriptures yeah, right? mm-hmm. um, it's a lot uh, messier than that there's a lot you gotta do to kind of unpack it but when you get lines like this that are so big and cosmic uh, a great multitude from every tribe and nation and peoples and languages and it's like he starts to riff on this vision is what um, John the revelator here is doing so I'd call it in some ways I'd call it the I have a dream speech of the Bible it's this thing that comes at the end that gives us the vision um, very it's, it's helpful in its own way, right? It's not the mm-hmm. only tool in our toolbox, but it's helpful to have a vision. It's helpful to have that vision. And then uh, something to know about the vision. I mean, like, that makes it sound really like, hey, uh, can't we all just get along, which is really great and important. Um, but then we see this thing that happens at the end of it. Uh, that would be a good connection to Matthew, I think, uh, where he says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And that line really stuck with me because mm-hmm. I was a, <laughs> I was the lamb, the shepherd, right? Like it doesn't, on the surface, it doesn't make any sense. The blind um, leading it, the blind. I like it's, it's crazy, but it's sort of a, it kind of flips the thing upside down as we enter into the season two of Stranger Things. <laughs> we are, we are in the upside down. It kind of makes me, I was, I was thinking about that image of the upside down. If you're not familiar with Stranger Things, the upside down is like this terrifying version of our world. <laughs> but I think that God's upside down is like the opposite of that, right? It's like the, it's the healed version of our world. And so to think about what is the, what is God's upside down uh, look like? Uh, maybe a helpful thing when you're thinking about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And then finally, then I'm gonna stop talking. This is this is what I got. As I'm thinking about this Sunday, I'm especially thinking about the the theme of Thy Kingdom Come, which is comes to us, which is comes to us from the Lord's Prayer, which is a part of the Sermon on the Mount that we're gonna hear in just a minute. And since I studied the small catechism this fall, just like Bishop Eaton told me to. <laughs> You're such a team player. I know, right? Um, when Luther says, what does this mean to that petition, thy kingdom come? So it says, thy kingdom come. And Luther says, uh, what does this mean? And Luther's response is really interesting. He says, in fact, God's kingdom comes on its own without our prayer. But we ask in this prayer that it may also come to us, that it may also come to us too. Um, and so that's what I'm thinking about as I think about this kind of big picture vision uh, that is beautiful in so many ways, comforting in so many ways, challenging in so many ways. How does it come to us? How does it come to you and me uh, in our time and place? So, Revelation. Good revelation. Stuff. I like it, Matt. I um, am of the opinion that 
that I think All Saints is probably one of the easiest Sundays to preach. <laughs> Why do you think that? Because um, I think because I think funerals are pretty easy to preach. You mm. know, um, that I think your job as a preacher on a funeral at a funeral and on All Saints is really clear. Uh, in the place of death, the church has something very particular to say. Uh, powerful and bold, and so I don't think it's very hard to figure out. If you can't find good news on All Saints, uh, <laughs> you got we got problems here, right? So on one hand, I want to say that also that that it's another one of those lesser festivals, lesser probably because you have to preach it every year with basically the same text. Sometimes Luke, Matthew, uh, what does it do in the Mark year? Because do we know that Mark doesn't? I know with the Luke here it has it's Luke's beatitudes, uh, so we got Matthew here for Matthew's beatitudes. We're gonna uh, find out though. We're gonna find out. What if it goes to John? What do you think? All Saints Year B. Should play some bets. Uh, yep. Ooh. <laughs> do you know what it is? Did you find it? John eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's Raising wrong. of Lazarus. What? Yep. That's crazy. So the other two years you get the Beatitudes, and then in Mark's year you get the you get a phenomenal story. Right. Beatitudes are kind of hard to preach, aren't they? They are, because they're kind of like a laundry list. Yeah, it's a list. It's a listicle, uh, and people like to read listicles, but they don't like to listen to listicles. Yeah. Is that true? You think? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are ways to do it, but it is it is challenging. I mean, I think the strategy you have to have here, if we're getting into the nuts and bolts, is you probably got to pick one and go. I don't think you can hit all of them, right? Yeah, I think the other thing that you can, I think you can pick one and go. I think the way that the list works is if you do it as a, um, if you do it as a refrain at the end, right? Like, kind of like you just start riffing. You're Eminem at the BET Awards yeah, and you're just freestyling and you start listing off some surprising blessings. But you can only really get away with that, I think, like, at the end when you really like after you've preached your like singular focus good news yeah, yeah. you can do a little a little like uh, refrain kind of riff mm-hmm. um, but here's the thing I thought of uh, what I like in saying that, that Revelation uh, and maybe All Saints is uh, is I have a dream of the Bible uh, is that I really like the crowds here there's some really nice imagery around crowds that Jesus is doing Sermon on the Mount for Matthew uh, so you got a big crowd gathered there. Uh, the vision in Revelation is that there's a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and languages, speaking of listicles, standing before the throne. Um, and then if you're going to make that connection to, to I Have a Dream, uh, of course, the image is not simply of Dr. King in front of the, the Lincoln Memorial, but the vast crowd uh, that's gathered there before him. So as I think back of some of the best All Saints sermons I preached, uh, they are they're based around these like large crowds. Um, mm. So I want to play with that. I think. Yeah. Especially for those of us who might be preaching in contexts where we don't have a large crowd gathered. Um, yeah. That there's some tension there that you could play with, and ultimately your job as preacher is probably to help that smaller gathering understand themselves as a part of this large multitude that so powerfully is held by the promise this weekend. Yeah. And if you think about like why the crowds are there, I had this, this image is like you mentioned, it's like a funeral Sunday you're preaching in some ways you're preaching a funeral sermon. And I mean, when I think about the, I can't, I can't, it's hard for me to imagine a, 
an All Saints sermon that I preached that was good. I don't know. None of them come to mind, but I can think of a couple of funeral sermons that went, um, that I thought connected, right? And I think one of the ways, one of the reasons that funeral sermons connect is that people bring such intense emotions Damn. to the to the table, right? It's like we all kind of know why we're here in a way that uh, at other gatherings, even at other worship gatherings, I think we come with, um, I don't know, there's different, you know, our hearts are way down in different kinds of ways. So if you can, I mean, if you, if you make that kind of connection, and think about where the crowds are at when Jesus is speaking to them in this way, right? Um, we hear these things over and over so much that they can really be, the life can get sucked out of them. Um, but if you can infuse that intensity back Damn. into them, um, even with a small crowd, will get it and see themselves part of the communion of saints. I preached a really good All Saints sermon uh, back in Bakersfield. We had... Uh, uh, like at St. Mark's, maybe it's a California Lutheran thing, uh, except that not at the university. We had uh, Halloween was a big deal at our church and in our neighborhood. And so uh, so we did like a trunk or treat in the church parking lot. And the church was and continues to be a very older uh, Midwestern demographically consistent Lutheran congregation in a very poor Hispanic neighborhood. And so it was the craziest thing. The neighborhood loved Halloween, and so they everybody came, and, and we have had like a Saturday morning breakfast program for kids in the neighborhood, but we never saw like parents and stuff, and just the kids came. But we got to meet all these people, and all these neighborhood people and my church people were all mixed together, right? Like this one little girl from, from our breakfast program came with her father, like who was shirtless and had like the spider web neck tattoos and teardrops and stuff. Right. And like, they're playing this like silly game with my blue haired old lady on the back of her cattle, like her, her Buick. Right. And I use that experience, right. To paint a picture, I think of what the Beatitudes are trying to get at that on that Sunday morning when there was just 60 of us, gathered together in a, in a sanctuary that holds much more than that, that we're a part of this massive thing that, um, that God is, uh, is doing. It was crazy, man. I remember driving home from church that night too, after that ended. And there were just like people everywhere, like, <laughs> like people were just walking in the streets, like hordes of kids and stuff. Like trick or treating was such a big, that it really lived into this image of like the crowds just like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. Um, this is not nearly as cool as what happened to you in Bakersfield. But we do this haunted house at St. Mark's, and it when you think about the crowds, what always amazes me is that we have this like giant inflatable monster like archway yeah. <laughs> that we put over the front doors of the church, and then the narthex becomes the haunted house. And the first year that we did that, while I was here, like literally this line of people. Like it must be 50 people like lined up outside the church to get in. And there's like this like demon monster, like, <laughs> how, like basically a hell mouth moving into <laughs> church. And there's like no way we would have that crowd on Sunday morning. And what does that mean? Like it's a similar like, like how <laughs> the way that we think about the kingdom of God and we think about Sunday mornings and the way that God surprises us with Halloween. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Hmm. I mean, what if like, so um, we think about the kingdom of God as being like Sunday morning, but what if it's mm -hmm. really like, what if it's really like Saturday night? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Man, one of the, one of the few, maybe we should spend more time as a church with Halloween. It's ritually significant kind of national holidays, right? Like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's connected to All Saints. Like, there's right, I mean, that's where it comes from, right? Fun stuff, but just the yeah, the, I think the public nature of it too. I think is part of what you're getting at too, right? That people are like in the streets. Uh, and how many other opportunities? How many other like instances of that do we have in our culture? Like, it's it's really an out. It's a really a public kind of festival in the way that like Thanksgiving is happening inside, mm-hmm. right? You, usually, with exceptions, but usually, right, we think about it in that way. Even Christmas, we think about this being like inside. Halloween is like an outside holiday. It's a neighborhood holiday. Most other times you see a large crowd in the streets, your reaction is not like, wow, how fun is this? <laughs> right? right? Like, uh, yeah, some fear or a similar, I mean, a Christmas tradition, um, from a, from a Mexican culture might be the posadas, right? We mm-hmm. are going door to door. It does turn yeah. into like neighborhood festival. So I don't know. How can we think about our festivals and make them neighborhood festivals using Halloween as our, <laughs> as our American model, right? If, if we are to follow the lead of um, of Louis the Pious, King of the Franks, uh, we should probably just move All Saints to Halloween, right? <laughs> and then we could co-opt Halloween and make it a part of our, our ritual. It is totally a thing, though, to be like when I read my like thousand page history of the Reformation this fall, <laughs> the number of times that like. Like, this was the thing that the, I guess the magisterium, right, would be concerned about from time to time is like the festivals, right? Not just Halloween, but like different festivals because people get all excited about a festival. Yeah. And then the church would be like, what do we do with this? Is that like, are we okay with this? Can we be okay <laughs> with this? And sometimes the church would try to suppress it, but then sometimes people would get pissed and the church would have to like, be either be okay with people being pissed or be like, or back off, right? Pick yeah. his battles. And this was a thing that like the church does a lot. Like, what what do we do with this thing? Yeah. <laughs> and Halloween is still and one the of church. Those yeah, the church still does that. I don't know if that's your experience, but but growing up in North Carolina, in rural North Carolina, there are plenty of churches who have haunted houses uh, that aren't haunted houses, right? But like houses that are supposed to like scare you with like going to hell. Yeah. Just, just to be clear, the St. Mark's haunted house is not that <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, a really low budget haunted house. That's it. <laughs> hmm. So yeah. Halloween and all saints. Oh my goodness. Hmm. But yeah, so that's my good news. I'm going to boil it down here. I know we're a little disjointed this week because beatitudes, duh. Is I think the good news, right, is that whether you're in that, like, I'm into the crowds, that the promise of God, the promise of life uh, in God, uh, all of the joy, all that kind of stuff, um, it holds the crowds and the multitudes. And I think that, that within the crowds and the multitudes, there's a place for, for all of us, um, but especially for those who gather in smaller settings. And if you want to play with some of that contrast with Sunday morning versus Saturday night, um, I think there's a lot there. And that it'll preach. Yeah, that will preach. Um, I didn't bring a reading to read, but I would I would recommend uh, to any listener Flannery O'Connor's short story, Revelation, mm-hmm. uh, which gets at this very idea. I feel like you have to read the whole thing for the ending to really hate you, but I recommend it. Flannery O'Connor, Revelation. Find it, listener. It's good. I like it. What are you listening to this week? Oh, Matt, again, this is a week where uh, going back around the sun, I had to check to see what we put on the playlist last year. We're going to avoid it. No duplicates here. What do we do? I can't remember. Uh, The one that I'd really like to put on there is, of course, Chance the Rapper, uh, Blessings, uh, that I believe you put on there. 
Um, Did I? Last year? You referenced uh, the, the Jimmy Fallon version of it. Uh, wow. Yeah. I recall that distinctly. But here's what I got. There's a lot of stuff out there. I was a little tempted by Tupac's God Bless the Dead, uh, which might be fun to have. I'm going to go with a stereotypical one, uh, Awake My Soul by Mumford and Sons off of their debut album. I like it, right? How fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes. I struggle to find any truth in your lies. In these bodies we live, in these bodies we will die. And where you invest your love, you invest your life. I don't know how that actually goes, but lovely. Bring some of that joy, upbeaty, uh, Irishy kind of uh, vibe to the day. I'm also gonna go with a little bit sadder song, but a but a feel good sad song. I'm going with uh, another ritual holiday that we don't all observe like we should. Uh, Kashmir Pulaski Day by Sufjan Stevens. Uh, just just a beautiful song. Uh, just a beautiful song about death. Sorry about that. I'm gonna yeah, hold that. Back. I'd like to add "Soul to Squeeze" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but. <laughs> Looking at this post from last year, my favorite thing is that Spotify then gives us recommended songs. Yeah, and it's like a, it's like a, it's a great uh, list of uh, female artists from the '90s, like Paula Cole, Natalie Imbruglia, <laughs> Alanis Morissette, Jewel, The Cardigans, Lisa Loeb. I feel oh. like it's yeah, it's right up your alley, Zach. It's it's, it's partially because I added the All Saints song. Uh, never have I ever felt so like. Never, I guess is what it's called. Never, ever. Because I was, I was into those things. Oh, good stuff. What do you got? What are you listening to? Gosh, well, if I got to do a... Man, now that you said an Irish song, um, since this is still 2017, uh, we'll do we'll do one more from the Joshua Tree. Their, their closing track, <laughs> Mothers of the Disappeared, mm. from the Joshua Tree, which is about um, the disappeared in Chile. Um, and it's... Oh, man, if that the... I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to just go off and talk about the concert for an hour, but uh, but the way that they do it on the screen is that there's just these this string of lights on the massive screen, and then the lights slowly get a little bit brighter, mm. and uh, and it turns out that, like as it slowly comes into focus, it's this line of um, oh. old mothers holding candles right for their for their disappeared, which is a really beautiful yes. saint's image, right? The martyrs. Mm. Uh, very, very cool. So there's a song for the martyrs. Uh, YouTube mothers of the disappeared. Uh, but I got two kingdom songs too. One is from uh, the civil wars. Uh, mm. It's like their, their vibe. It's a song called the kingdom come, uh, which is off of the hunger games soundtrack. What? Mm. So surprisingly good soundtrack for setting a particular, particular kind of mood. It's definitely uh so, Cadiz's uh, district is sort of like a, it's a very West Virginia-ish kind of district, and so technically, Wars, Matt, it's actually yes. the place where I grew up in North Carolina because that's <laughs> where it was that filmed. Really where it, is? it was filmed <laughs> in Cle Cleveland County, which is an adjacent <laughs> county to where. Because my dad worked on the movie, but anyway, is that true? That's true for the first, what? like the first two, but then they uh, Republicans took over the state house and cut the the tax breaks, and so they went to Georgia. So the Civil Wars, Kingdom Come, um, sets a nice mood. And then a, a different genre, uh, Common, featuring Vince Staples, uh, with a song off of his Nobody's Smiling album from 2014, which is a really Chicago-centric uh, album. Um, song called Kingdom. Mm. Song called Kingdom. Great little video. Maybe we'll put it on the 
Facebook page, and by we, I mean you. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> it's also got its own vibe about the kingdom, um, but out of a out of a place of I'll call it political persecution. But but mm-hmm. what that looks like in our day, right? What that looks like for us it doesn't tend to look like hair. It tends to look more like, um, yeah. So that's what I got. Couple songs. Mm, we got Chicago covered this week. Yeah. Cashmere Pulaski, Chicago Holiday. Common. We never know where we're going to end up, but we ended up somewhere today. We ended up somewhere. Well, good. It's, uh, yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been vinyl. It's been real.